Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The, the Nonprofit, Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday. Happy MLK Day, folks. Holy cow. This is going to be released on MLK Day? It is, yeah. Oh, that seems so far away, and yet it'll be here before we know it. Yes. All of our listeners, please know we are still recording this on January 5, which means we don't know the results in Georgia. <laughs> we do not. We... uh are still weeks away from inauguration. At least by the time this is released, will be the week of inauguration. Um, so there's a lot still pending in the world. Um, can I just tell a quick story that I recently drove through Georgia, and now I have a lot of love for Georgia. I am just stating a fact, okay? <laughs> this is factually what I saw when I went, when I crossed over the border into Georgia, there was a billboard, a huge billboard on the side of I-75 that said something to the effect of each tongue will eventually, eventually confess their sins to Jesus, dot, dot, dot. Even the Democrats, and then it had a pitchfork. Lovely. <laughs> hey, to each their own, but um, I got a kick out of it. Yikes. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> it's a different, of different place down there, huh? It is, but you know, Georgia is a turning, so we'll see what happens. Um, we'll find out tonight. Whew. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. So, uh, as our listeners who um, follow along every week know now, we are recording this the same time as our last episode. So we're doing back-to-back, which is always fun because there's a certain level of punchiness that comes by the end of the second one. Uh, but as we were talking between recordings, I was reminded of this story and uh, felt like it would be good banter to start this one off. Um, talking about Midwestern niceness. <laughs> <laughs> Let's switch from the Georgia. <laughs> this will be in stark contrast <laughs> to the Georgia billboard. Though I must say, again, I'm going to make my um, disclaimer. Uh, I love Georgia. I love the South. And there are many lovely people in Georgia. That was just one billboard. But anyway. I was thinking ahead. more just like regional specificities. Um, yeah. So grew up in Michigan from Michigan and uh I've got that just like deep-seated Midwestern niceness which means I will never say when a uh, service professional especially does something that isn't what I ordered isn't what I wanted um whatever so <laughs> you don't send anything never. back even just saying that right now makes my stomach hurt a little bit thinking about it <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. So I'm down in southwestern Colorado. This is a couple years ago. I was about to do a big presentation with a client, um, and it was actually at an event of theirs. So I went to a local salon to get my hair done. Um, wanted a little bit of an updo, something special. Um, I knew there was going to be press there. Wanted to be looking good. And um, I was – Something profesh. Yeah. Right? Profesh, profesh. So I'm probably in there for like an hour or two. My husband is just like wandering around this small town in southwestern Colorado. And, um, you know, I've got my back to the mirror. We're chit-chatting. I'm the only one in the salon. And at the end, she, you know, whips me around looking at the mirror. What do you think? And I literally held back tears as I said, I love it. Um, And those weren't (laughs) tears of like excitement or gratitude. And I get out, and my husband's sitting outside in the car, and he just starts laughing, and then I'm full-on crying because it is so awful. So awful. I mean, we're talking, like, one of those big bumps. Do you remember Bump It back in the 90s? Yeah. (laughs) It's like she had put a bump it in my hair, but with hairspray and teasing. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Did you pay for of it? Of course, and I gave her a 25% tip because I felt like I was the city girl coming down to the country. I really needed to step up. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. You know, um, my I am from Ohio. Uh, go Bucks! We'll know by this time if we're nat- national champions or not. I have to put that out Any there. Year, that doesn't matter. Yep. Um, it still matters. It still would be a national championship. Okay. Um it does. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, that th- my sister-in-law is also from Ohio originally. And she just shared a similar story that happened. Um, you know, this is COVID times. Like some people aren't even going to the hairdresser at all. Those of us. Are you staring at my do, very long hair as you say that? <laughs> no. No, but I mean, I definitely had a friend cut my hair like back in May. I usually get my hair cut twice a year. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll go like one time. And anyways, she went and decided, you know, if I'm going to go and this is going to be the time to do it, do the whole thing, get it like colored, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she said her normal hairstylist wasn't there so somebody else had to do it who was relatively new and i totally get there's probably a learning curve and stuff that comes with that but it took 5 hours oh my god that's insane <laughs> like 5 hours is insane let alone to have to sit with a mask on for 5 hours you, you already don't really want to be there in the first place and she had an appointment for her work that she had to get to that was like, you know, let's say she went at noon and the appointment was at five. She's thinking, well, I've got plenty of time. You know, next thing you know, she's like, I really have to go. Like, I have to go. I, you have to finish this. I have to go. And the shade of her hair was probably 20 shades darker than what <laughs> it was supposed to be. To the point that she came home and spent a week putting in stuff in her hair to like strip the color oh, out. Gosh, yikes. Like I forget what she said she shampooed her hair with, like Dawn or I don't know, something like that, like detergent, something to strip it out. And I'm like, it's you're just telling this like horrifying story. I'm like, did you say anything to her? No. <laughs> did you pay did you pay for it? Yeah. Did you tip her? 
No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, fucking Midwestern values. I swear. They get you every time. Every damn time. (laughs) We're just so damn nice. That's why there's so many of us in the sector. Oh. There really are. I I thought you were just going to say so many of us. Like, somehow that helps with procreation. Oh, maybe that too. But I mean, in the sector, I meet so many people. The last place I worked was in Colorado, and 85% of us were from the Midwest. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. We should do it. We should look into that. We should look into, I don't know how you'd find that out, but of the people working in the nonprofit sector, what percentage of them are from the Midwest? I'll add that to my survey topics. Please. (laughs) Please. <laughs> so today marks the second of five in our donor cycle series. Um, if you missed last week's, you might want to go back and listen to it. Even though you could listen to them each individually on their own, it might be nice to hear them in succession. Um, so last week's was on identification. So how we identify potential donors and supporters of our organization. And now we get into cultivation. Dun, dun, dun. This is the romance in part, people. The romance in part. We just talked about how identification is like swiping right. We hope that that was the right terminology. (laughs) Because neither one of us have used a dating app. Um, And now that we have somebody who we think would um, be a possible fit and want to learn more about an organization, how do we engage them? So we got to start dating, right? This is the dating. This is where we're like, you know, I don't know, getting our hair done. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a thing? Would you get hair done for dates? Uh, Yeah, I think people do. Oh, my God. We're, like, the worst people to talk to about this. Um, Sure. You know, get your nails done, maybe your hair, you know, maybe a new outfit. But it's also the educational part, right? Right. So getting to know you phase. The getting to know you. Getting to know you. I think that is super appropriate with this ongoing metaphor we have. Because cultivation is all about that. Um, So, you know, let... Let's do it in the instance of a totally new donor, a prospective donor. This is where we're trying to show the work we do in our organization and how that aligns with that donor's values, their goals with their philanthropy, how their money can help make an impact that matters to them through our organization. You know, I was thinking about some of our takeaways from last week. See, this is where it would have been helpful for you to listen to last week's first. But where we talked about when you're identifying donors, really knowing what you're identifying them for, Mm -hmm. right? So identifying a donor for a monthly donor program versus a capital campaign will look very different. Um, And it made me think of um, this these donors of mine that um, I cultivated um, and continue to steward, but we'll get to stewardship later. And the identification part was kind of done for me. So somebody, and that's always great, right? Where um, it was actually somebody who worked at a local community foundation who said, hey, I think you should meet with these donors. 
they're really interested in causes like yours and they support like-minded causes. So now, I mean, kind of that work was done for mm-hmm. me. And now it's really about building the relationship. And I spent years meeting with them. <laughs> I adore them. I really enjoyed it. Um, and developed a really great relationship with them uh, because of it. But that cultivation phase, now that, because I was, I was, you know, a younger, don't, or younger um, fundraiser. fundraiser then than I am now. And, and so I look back on that time and kind of lessons learned and, it, you know, would I have done anything different? And I think had I used that lens from the beginning that you talked about of like, okay, here are these donors. Let's get to know them. Now, what are we actually cultivating them for? Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that I could have sped up the process because um, we know that it takes, what, an average of 18 months to cultivate a major donor to solicitation to the gift. So we know that that's a long process as it is. But I felt like I would have done a better service to them by helping identify where they could really plug in, Um, whether it be with a campaign or one of our programs. And I didn't do such a great job of that. And so it it stayed very high level for a long time. And ultimately, at the end, um, it turned out great. And they gave us a six-figure gift and continue to be uh, really amazing supporters and ambassadors for the organization. But when talking about cultivating, um, I think some of those things that you talked about, we both talked about the last episode, really can help this phase as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking about, because um, of course I, I always think about the, the times that went wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, the the times where cultivation was was maybe overdone, right? Like sometimes you can date too long and it's like you just need to ask for that commitment, right? We're going to get married right. or not. Like that's, yeah. exactly. Like that's how I felt it was, yeah. kind of. Yes. Um, and I also think the cultivation phase is a period where the power dynamics can really be off because we are trying so hard to connect them into the organization and then that can be taken advantage of by donors. Um, Yes. But this is a funny story on the other side of that. Um, So similarly, this donor was identified for me by a board member um, and the three of us went to lunch together. um, And of course, you know, we're dating, so I'm I'm learning more about this donor, what their interests are, so that I can tie it into our organization. But he starts telling me about this book that he's writing. I end up getting so interested in his book that mm. I spend the next 45 minutes just talking to him about that and forgetting entirely the purpose of the fucking lunch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a slippery slope, and I have definitely fallen into that myself, though I will say that just like dating, um, people love to talk about themselves. I mean, we got the gift eventually, and so, I mean, it wasn't exactly. all bad. So I would say that on my first dates with donors, for the most part, I'm letting them do the talking, unless I'm having to really kind of get it going, but if they're, you know, chatting and they are talking about themselves and... I'm just learning, right? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, obviously make sure that I mention our programming and our work and, you know, different potential areas for them to plug into, but I'm really letting them do a lot of the talking. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, But yes, I can't, I mean, I'm talking hours I have spent with donors um, 
where we get so engrossed in their life because it's so interesting and I'm just naturally a people person like I think most of us are as fundraisers that I'm like tell me more and then you moved to Italy and what happened <laughs> and then <laughs> um I have a great oh god a great story of how it went wrong awesome okay for it. so I, I went on this first date with a donor and I, my seat- I just want to interrupt real quick and say when we're saying this Neither of us have actually dated a donor. <laughs> we have not. No. No. But it's what it feels like. It really does. I mean, it's not quite as formal as a job interview and maybe not quite as personal as a date, but it's in some kind of area in between. Right. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm on this first meeting with a donor, Coffee, and my CEO is with me, Um And again, we had been paired with this potential donor, and that's how this person was presented as a donor. Um, I think that they would be really interested in your organization and the work you're doing and support it. They support like-minded organizations. So I thought, okay, great. So we go. um, We have some – share some of the same – Uh, networking circles so it's pretty easy to kind of get into conversation and learn more about this person and then we talked about as my CEO and I like I said we kind of um, partnered played off of each other and talked about the work that we were doing I thought we did a great job Um, the donor prospective donor seemed really interested so I gave some examples of things that they could do um, to kind of help us out. And I forget how it came up, but the donor started talking about all these people that they know in the community and how, oh, I think this person would be really interested in what you're doing and this person and this person. I'm thinking, this is great. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. You're like identifying other prospective donors. Well, what if we did something where you had a house party and, you know, we could come and we could talk about the work that we're doing and you could invite all those people and they seemed really excited about it. And they said, yeah, absolutely. That would be great. And I said, okay, well, when would be a good time of year? Like, I don't need an actual date, but let's just kind of like think ahead and, you know, spring better is fall better. And they said, oh, I think this time would be best because of X, Y, and Z. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Okay, great. Leave the meeting. We're can't wait to talk to you all in good terms. I follow up like any good fundraiser does. Thank you so much for that meeting. It was so great to get to know you better. Per our conversation, you know, you talked about potentially having this house party on this month. Um, You know, would love to schedule a phone call to maybe talk about that in more detail, what that would look like, yada, yada, yada. And got a response that took me completely by surprise. And they were like, whoa. I am not ready to introduce you to my network yet. I'm just getting to know your organization. Whoa. Yeah. And I would like to spend some more time maybe attending a few of your events, getting to know more about your organization before I even think about introducing you to my network. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I learned a big lesson there. What's the lesson to learn? Watch out for those folks? Well, no, I mean, I think it's just that 
when you're in those meetings, I mean, maybe she's from the Midwest. And she just couldn't she say wasn't. no. <laughs> and she couldn't say no. <laughs> sure, I'll have a house party and have 100 people over and pay for it all. And I don't know. But I do think there was a little bit of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe she was in the moment and she didn't feel comfortable to say it to my face of like, whoa, wait a minute. We're going a little too fast here. Well, she probably just got excited. Just Right. Or this is just a discovery meeting mm-hmm. and I still don't know you, even though I find you completely delightful. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but wow, it, it threw very different signals. Yeah. And then what I received as a response took me by surprise. I mean, to the point that I went back to my CEO, I was kind of thankful that there was somebody else there that I could be like, am I, did I imagine that? (laughs) I mean, that is what she said, right? Um, And then, of course, responded and respectfully said, you know, sure, of course, you know, here's this thing coming up that, you know, it'd be great to see you at, whatever. Have continued the relationship still. Feel like we have a good relationship. Um, But needless to say, there was no house party. Yeah. Maybe there will be, to be continued, if I follow the donor cycle. (laughs) I actually have a very similar story, uh, which is what I was thinking of for this as well. So um, I was working on a capital campaign. I worked on it for probably about two and a half, three years. And this uh, this person was a volunteer of the organization, a large donor. She had been on the board in the past. So right away, knew she was going to be on the campaign committee. And so early on, I met with her along with their CEO and their development director, like, let's talk through this. What kind of role do you want? And she immediately starts listing off some big connections in the community, like names that every fundraiser would be drooling over. Um, And she and her husband had owned a local establishment. So, you know, made sense that she had all these connections. And we were like, okay, we got a golden path to our campaign goal here. Awesome. Um, And right up front was like, okay, like what, what, feels appropriate to you what do you want to do like similarly do you want to do a house party do you want packets for individual meetings with these folks how do you want to engage them we've got an event coming up do you want to invite them to that and that was the conversation that continued for two and a half fucking years yep and she never once brought up the campaign to those folks yeah and she she's she's uh one of the people that will live in my nightmares because similarly it's like (laughs) What what happened? What went wrong? Right. Like, where did I go wrong? What did I not – what did I not provide? And, I mean, we went through so many iterations. Okay, you don't want to do this. We can have the CEO there with you. We just – you know, we need you to invite these people to the lunch because you know them. Like, just so many things. We will write the letter that you can send to them. Never once did any kind of cultivation, much less solicitation, of that, you know – golden ticket list that she had which is so funny because i mean i don't know i don't know the person you're talking about but i have had the same thing happen to me a gajillion times and i really think that it just comes down to the fear of the ask yeah like oh gosh well i'm gonna have them all at my house and um you know there's gonna be this presentation and then even if we say which i say all the time you don't have to be the one to ask you know it's like, well, what if somebody thinks that that is inappropriate or what if somebody's offended? Or like if it's done properly and appropriately, people know what to expect before they show up. Yeah. Well, actually, Nobody goes to a gala. Nobody goes to a gala and thinks that they're not going to be asked for money, right? <laughs> yeah. 
that that actually reminds me of another situation, um, kind of similar. There, you know, volunteer board member or somebody who had a, a network of folks she wanted to introduce to the organization, but was very explicit. There will be no ask, no solicitation whatsoever at this house party. And so we we spent a lot of time just figuring out, okay, how what would feel good in terms of engaging these people. It's wonderful that you want to introduce them to the organization, but we have to have some follow-up even for them so they know how they can plug right. in. There needs, there needs to be a call to action right. of something. And so this was kind of interesting, and it ended up working. But we, we basically had like um, a sign-up sheet. Like an opt-in for a solicitation, basically. So at the end, interesting, you know, everybody got a pamphlet and then uh, a sheet to sign up um, and mark, you know, what they were interested in, volunteering, donating, something else. Um, and I think she felt like that really respected them and their time. Um, and everybody there signed up for at least something, right? It required yeah. more work on the staff because they had to do additional follow-up, but it was okay and the staff were totally okay with that because they really wanted to respect this this board member and um how she wanted to go about it well and i think that's part of it right is being able to have those conversations up front and instead of just being so scared of what might happen Mm -hmm. let's just talk about those fears right now and let's arrange the event so that's not what happens yeah um, well, and it's an interesting concept, too, because so often, like, especially with house parties, it's cultivation and solicitation combined. We're going to tell some good right. stories. We're going to tell you about the programs. And then we're going to ask you for money right here, right now. And so decoupling right. those, I do wonder if that actually provides a better experience for the donor. It gives them more time to percolate, gives them additional opportunities to research and get to know the organization. Um, and that's what we would say with major donors, you know, we don't just go straight yeah. in and ask them to marry us. So, I mean, there's probably something to learn there. That's true. You know, I think we discussed this in an earlier episode when we've been talking this entire year of moving to virtual everything. To be clear, this and... is the first time we've talked this year. Dun-dun-dun-ching. <laughs> <laughs> Truth, truth. Um, As we talked about all last year, excuse me, of going virtual and all things virtual. And, you know, one thing that I have seen that's been a bit of a silver lining, and that's such a buzzword, but um, is that by having these virtual educational events where, you know, there is no ask or the ask is very subtle, it's, you know, a kind of indirect ask, um, the at the accessibility, though, is extremely high. Anybody can attend um, as long as they have reliable, strong internet service, <laughs> which if you listen to our last episode, you'll know why I appreciate that so much. Um, and and that those have been great events to help cultivate new potential donors, of inviting them to come to this event. It's not like coming to a strong ask event like a gala mm-hmm. Where it's a high price to get in, um, it's something that they can choose to do. They don't have to interact with anybody if they don't want to, um, and they can leave with knowing more about the organization and the work that you're doing. Um, I've utilized those a lot, both in the cultivation and st- stewardship phases of the cycle this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great entry point, especially because yeah. I think 
again, so if we're identifying people who are committed to our causal area, having some sort of educational event is great because then that helps us identify right off the bat, these are people who care about this. And right. we've also provided a value add to them, right? Like we're, we're not tricking them into anything. We're, we're providing them education. We're giving them access potentially to great speakers. So it is a really nice, I think, cultivation step for folks. Um, and like you said, it's just, it's become so, so much more accessible and prevalent this year in a lot of really amazing ways. Um, I, I think it's great to think about cultivation outside of just mailings, which yes, is just for far too long the thing that nonprofits go to. Well, and as we talked about, what was that, two episodes ago, I mean, we didn't talk about it with donors necessarily, but those coffee dates, I mean, we live in a town where they say you can ask anybody to go to coffee, which is great. Um, it provides access to a lot of people. Um, and we all know that those coffees can add up and take time um, and have not been an option for the most of the last year. So this kind of gives an alternative to some of that, even though I think that one-on-one -on -one interaction is invaluable. So I'm not saying to replace that. But, um, you know, just to recap the whole point of the donor cycle being a way to really build a relationship and not have just this transactional relationship with your donors where you're just constantly asking them for money. And I will say as um, a little baby fundraiser, it was hard for me. I didn't know what that looked like, right? Because you're so, like your eyes are on the prize and you're just like so focused on I got to raise X amount of money that it's like, I, you know, I don't have time <laughs> for all this other stuff. And now as I'm a little bit wiser, um, recognizing all aspects of that cycle and the importance that they play in really maintaining your donors. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's important to point out again that this cycle, generally speaking, works for all different types of donors. So, like, yes. I can think about corporate donors. Um, <laughs> here's a good story. Going back to the cultivation cycle that never ends. Um, potential corporate donor. They did have a written application, so I guess that's technically solicitation. But anyway, then they had a series of site visits. Mm. Series mm. of site visits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So each one, you know, there's a tour aspect. Um, some of them they wanted a Q&A. Sometimes they wanted a board member present. Oh, my God. The hoops we jumped through for this company to, to do all this. And we were at a facility where we couldn't have outsiders in if we had any um, program participants in the building. So we were also basically shutting down our program every time they came through. I just want to point out. Yep. Um, yep. But it just kept going and going and going. And I'll never forget my um, executive director being like, I've pushed back two trips now because they keep pulling this stuff. And it was a very large gift that we were soliciting. And she was like, it's Thanksgiving next week. I have to go. You know, my husband's in-laws are dying. Like she had to go to London. It was a whole big thing. So she was like, if they need anything else, you're, you're interim. Like give them what they need which was the most terrifying thing ever. I mean, I was probably like 24 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Soliciting a six-figure gift from this company. And um, they they called while she was gone, told me we got the gift, 
And then they recorded it and released it on YouTube. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) I've heard the recording. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was the most terrifying thing ever. But, hey, we got the gift after But you fucking got it. Yeah, it's like legendary that you got it. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. You know, I think one trap just to beware of, um, you spoke to this earlier about the power dynamic. And I think in the cultivation phase, you're right. It's kind of at its highest, that power dynamic of, um, you know, we had the example of the donor saying yes to stuff, but is of you as the organization or the representative for the organization saying yes. And, um, to everything, to like, I'll just do whatever you need me to do to get the gift. I don't know if I've told this story on another episode, and if I have, I'm sorry. But this is this is the ultimate. So, uh, <laughs> prospective donor's partner had been engaging with the organization quite a bit, wanting to learn more. We had had a number of meetings, and um, she was going to go meet with the prospective donor. They had some trip planned. And wanted um, some specific documents put together. You know, financials, um, some edits to our case for support so it was specific to what their funding um, interests were. And she wanted it before they left. So I stayed late. My executive director, like, edited it in the night so that I could come in and print it and then drive it to her house. Where uh, I was met with the cable repair guy who I then was asked to usher into the house and help him fix their cable while she dealt with some other things. Shut up. Shut up. And I did it. Of course you did. Me and the cable repair guy spent like half an hour together before she finally came down so I could give her the packet and see if she needed anything else. Oh, my God. That's so classic. (laughs) Oh, that's so classic. That's hysterical. And they didn't get a gift for over a year from them after that date. Yeah. But you got it. I mean, I guess. I didn't, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So here are our takeaways. We just talked about it. Be careful. Like, set your boundaries. Set your boundaries. That's always a good one. Set your boundaries. Cultivating, yes, we're wooing, we're romancing, but come on, within reason, we're also grown-ass professionals, Mm -hmm. and we need to set those boundaries. What are the other takeaways? I don't know why, but I'm thinking of the My Favorite Murder. Uh, You're in a cult. Call your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Fundraisers, set your boundaries. Call your dad. Um, Yes. So, yes, boundaries. But also, I think, think about unique ways to cultivate, especially right now. The whole point of cultivation is providing a look inside your organization so that the donors can see how they fit in. And there are a ton of different ways we can do that. Yeah. Yep. Um, consider, like we talked about in the identification, like what are you cultivating them for? Mm-hmm. Um, really try to identify that if you can early on so that you can steer the relationship 
and help the donor um, feel like they have a place where they fit in. Absolutely. Love it. Um, and yeah, all of this is going to lead to next week's episode on dun 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 solicitation the ask the a word you know i said solicitation (laughs) the other day uh, on a call and my husband came over and he was like are you talking about sex work (laughs) 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 fucking fundraising honey fundraising (laughs) i know it is a interesting word to use um but we all know it in the sector and we know what it means and we're all scared of it or at least all of our board members are. We're either scared of it or it's all we want to do 100% of the time. It's true. So tune in next week. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram. Email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And again, now is the time. These are the winter doldrums of fundraising, January, February. Um, those nonprofits in your local community still need your help. So if you have time, or the capacity, I should say, um, please think about supporting them uh, consistently, maybe becoming a monthly donor, and by giving and giving generously. And if you do have time, go out and do some anti-racism work. Have a great MLK Day. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.